0: that line that says that, uh, that we would let faith be our eyes. Amen. And we can see the things of God. We can experience uh, knowledge that brings us confidence and security by faith. Amen. So uh, we're going to continue our series uh, this morning um, and you'll see it on uh, screen. I sent the PowerPoint. You guys get that back there? So, uh, we're going to continue this series. It's why the nativity matters. And we're in Matthew chapter 2. So, I'm using Matthew mainly the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll look at some of the other passages in the other gospels regarding the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ uh, 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 matters because it uh, speaks to us about the, the incarnation. Uh, the incarnation being uh, what John said in his gospel. Uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What we have is the creator of the universe visiting us in, in as a person, as a baby initially, and that's what we're looking at here. But the significance of it is, is eternal. He came, visited his people, he came as a babe in a manger that would grow up, and he would become the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was our Redeemer. God had a plan for salvation through his son Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at the story that's found in Matthew chapter 2. Now that we've finished chapter 1. We discovered in chapter 1 that his, he had two names that are specifically important. First was Jesus, which means God is salvation. It's the Greek for Joshua. Joshua comes from jehovah Ashua, which is God is salvation. So this babe uh, that's going to be born, his name means God is salvation. And then we saw Emmanuel, which uh, literally means God with us. And, we, and that's where we come to understand the importance of his birth, the incarnation. Uh, the f- word became flesh and dwelt among us. To ask ourselves Why? And what does that have, and how important is that, and why should it matter to us? Amen? We can understand that. Then it's life transforming when we accept it by faith and live for Him. So I'm going to have you stand, and I'm going to read the first six verses just to get us started. And here we have the visit of the wise men. At least that's the subtitle in my Bible. Talk a little bit about them. I find it fascinating who these, these men were and why they came. So here we go. Matthew 2, uh, we'll, we'll just read the first six verses. I'm going to go further, but we'll just start it with that. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men... In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's coming out of Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you we praise you this morning for the opportunity to be able to hear your word And we ask, Lord God, that you would touch each and every one of our hearts, open our minds, our eyes, our ears, to not just uh, hear and see what you have to say to us, but to comprehend uh, why it matters as we're looking at this uh, in a series right now, Father, as we draw close to Christmas. Father, we're so grateful that you sent your son, Jesus. And he, if we know him as our Savior and as Lord of our lives, he makes all the difference. He has changed us. He has made us into his image. And we have not just the promise and confidence, security here and now, but for eternity. And we just give you all the praise and thanks in his precious name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I, I really like this visit of the wise men. First question is: Who are these wise men? The way that uh, this translation uh, describes them, wise men—they're—they're—they're they're, they're men with wisdom, knowledge. You know, it's a little bit different. We—we we live in a society that uh, rewards people who are educated. Maybe the more you have, the more. Like degrees, the higher they go, the more opportunities open for you. The, generally speaking, more money you make. We, we spent a lot of time um, educating. But, you know, in the Hebrew mindset, it wasn't so much how much you knew. Wisdom is w- using what you know, applying what you know to your life. That had more value. So you may not know as much as someone else, but what you do know, if you're able to apply it to your life in, in, in a wise way, that has great value. So it's, there's a lot of PhDs that are derelicts. It doesn't matter what, how much they know. They're still, they're still dumb. That's how I want to put it. You'll find, too, in our system of education that there's agendas that are being taught in the universities right now that lean one way only. Just one way only. And uh, more is propaganda than it is in education. Critical thinking is what matters. You should be able to be introduced to everything. And then, of course, as Christians, be able to discern what matters. That's the gift that we have from the Holy Spirit. So. These were wise men, and they were on a mission. And I'm just so interested in them. I have spent time reading as much as I can, and uh, there's a lot we don't know about them. However, because of the text, and I'm going to let the text kind of drive the interpretation here or the meaning here, we do know that they came from the east. So that's what it says, that we know they're wise. Alright. And uh, it says they came from the east. We know that. We know they're wise. Uh, we know obviously that they had been observing or studying the stars. Because they say, for we saw his star when it rose. And so not only did they see it, they followed it. And of course we know that this star led them to Jesus. I'll say a little bit more about the star a little bit later. In the original language, they're called magi. It comes from the word magic. Uh, They were, uh, obviously, as they studied the stars, they were astrologers. They were interpreters of dreams. Now we go to, uh, we talk about the magi. They came, most likely, if they came from the east, they came from the area of Babylon and Persia. Um, And here's an interesting thing, too. They had knowledge of the Hebrew Scriptures. What? How would they know if you're a Gentile from a faraway country? How would you know that the the king of the Jews had been born? They know something from the Scriptures. They had knowledge of them. And there, again, it goes... My argument, my position always here, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Christian faith, saving faith, is only possible when you hear about God through His revelation penned by His prophets and His apostles. And it's a spark that rises up in our hearts as the Holy Spirit convicts us as the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to, f- to the faith that's required and to believe in, in what God's truths and promises are. These men, they had knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures because they mentioned and they came from the East. So we know that there's a mixing of cultures here. The Eastern cultures and their uh, interpreta- interpreting uh, their Magi, uh, abilities, if you would, their, uh, their knowledge of the stars, their, their uh, also knowledge of the, of the Hebrew scriptures. And so it could be traced back, and I, I'm going to propose something here that I learned and believe uh, it's probably due to that man who once resided in Babylon 500 years prior to this particular uh, uh, event, and his name was Daniel. Remember when the Jews were taken captive into Babylonia? Daniel was a Magi. Daniel was an interpreter of dreams. 500 years before. And in Daniel's book, chapter 10, he speaks about the coming Messiah. And not only that, he gives out and lays out 70 weeks, the 70 weeks prophecy the 70 times 7, right? That's 490 years. Mentions that in his prophecies. They could have calculated exactly the moment the, the prince appears. That's in Daniel's book. Someday we'll go into Daniel and look at it more detailed. But there is prophecy in Daniel's book that could give you the day of his birth. The, the seventy seven weeks of seventy is what he prophesied. So, there was a man in in according to Daniel five one through twelve. There was a man in the kingdom. This is what it says, uh, who is, whom is the spirit of the holy gods in the days of your father. So, looking back, we see here. He says light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And the king Nebuchadnezzar your father, your father the the king made him chief of the magicians and enchanters and Chaldeans and astrologers. So if everybody that the king Nebuchadnezzar had, remember the story, could not interpret his dreams. And here comes Daniel that could. Do you not believe then that Daniel could have established the order of the Magi in a correct way? He's the one that was put in charge afterwards. So my suggestion is that these wise men had knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures, had knowledge of the prophecies of the coming king. And here they are looking for, for him through a phenomenon of this star. They followed him all, and they followed it all the way to Bethlehem. We don't know too much about the the star, if you would. Some suggest that it's similar to the Shekinah, the, she, the, the Shekinah glory that hovered over the temple or the tabernacle in the Old Testament during their wilderness journeys. With God, there's nothing impossible, right? It directed them to. Jesus. That's what we know. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Nothing is bu- is not accidental. It's not it's not coincidental. They they heard and believed, and that's why they were there. So we do know. Not only are they wise, we do we know that they're from the east. I'm suggesting, proposing to you that they're. Uh, have knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures because they mention the king of the Jews. I'm suggesting to you and proposing that they, um, there was a man that once resided in Babylon. And then if we look at verse 2, we also know this, that they sought Jesus. They looked for Jesus, this king of the Jews. What does it say? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So this is interesting to me. Because these are Gentiles seeking Jesus. Whereas his own people, the Jews, generally and overwhelmingly, and we know from what happened at Calvary's cross, rejected him. Isn't that interesting? Things are flipped. Those that were once afar off have been drawn near, and those that were near are far off. The Jews... Not that all of them rejected him, but overwhelmingly by, by the nation. And that's what brought about the cross. They're looking for a Christ, the Gentiles. So the gospel, the good news is for everyone. For all people, for all nations, for all ethnicities. When we go into the book of Revelation, we see at the end where they're worshiping God, There's all nations, all kindreds, all tongues, all people. There are those that God calls out. And they're going to be worshiping him. Here we see what you could say is like a a figure or forerunners. These are people before the actual nations come to him. After the gospel message goes out from the apostles in Jerusalem. Remember Acts? Remember Pentecost? We have... 500 years before his birth, we have these Gentiles seeking the king of the Jews. Okay, this is a cliche. It's been said that wise men, wise women still seek Jesus. How about you? You still. Seek Jesus. Matthew seven seven says, A will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. So we have every right as Christians, it's our birthright to ask, to seek, to look for, to knock, and the door will be open to us. Do we understand that, Church? We as believers, we have this birthright. Jeremiah 29.13 in the Old Testament we hear the prophet saying uh, uh, and speaking inspired by the Holy Spirit. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So my first point is the nativity matters. That is the birth of Christ matters because it teaches us that we can seek Christ and he can be found And if you don't know Him, and if you haven't found Him, it's because you don't want to. Amen? You're not seeking Him. You're not interested. That's the first thing, I think. And I would challenge you this Christmas season to look carefully into your heart and ask yourself, are you seeking Jesus with all your heart? Because the scriptures are clear. that We're to love him with all our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. So that would be uh, one of the things we learned this morning. Amen? Amen? You know, it's okay, you guys. I know it's early and I know it's cold. It's okay to say amen every now and then all right thank you very much thank you very much it's good let me know you're listening (laughs) so that first point do you guys see where how i got there they were seeking him and let me say this too they came to worship him it says in verse two not only do we know that they sought jesus but we know that they came worshiping for they saw his star when it rose And have come to worship him. Notice that also in verse number 2. So not only did they seek him. They came to worship him. See one of the things too that uh, uh, I did. We might think uh, of. That's cool. But they traveled at least 800 miles. Based on my calculations. If we go where Babylon and Persia are. So. They traveled, and we know that there are, there's always camels in the pictures, right? In the, in the, in the Christmas cards Obviously, that part of the world, those cultures, they traveled by camel, and it took not days, not weeks, it took months. And maybe, as some commentary suggests, it may have even taken years. It's not just... Hey, I'm gonna go. Oh my gosh, I'm late for church, and I live five minutes from here. What a great sacrifice you have made! No, <laughs> they came from. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to get us to wake. Uh, like you guys live like literally bl- half a block away. You know. Oh my goodness, we got. We we made this great journey. <laughs> it was eight hundred miles. Some of us have a hard time going anywhere sometimes, especially the weather today. But I'll, I just want you to see.
1: And it's not just the time. They, it, they were traveling across the desert. There's nothing there.
0: So they had to have resources, provision during the trip. So not only did they spend time getting to and looking for Jesus, not only did they travel far, not only did they have no doubt hardships having traveled mostly through the desert, great
1: energy is to do so. They found it worth it. came to worthiness. Worship comes from. The that when they did find him, they rejoiced exceedingly, exceedingly with
0: great joy. So, when they did find him, they were joyful. That's part of worship, too. Going into the house, so this this suggestion here is that uh, you know Jesus was no longer in in the stable; he's now in a house. So the timing here is a little different than what we've been told in the stories in the, in the movies. The wise men find Jesus at, the, at at the stable; could be a little bit later, but nonetheless they found they came worshiping him and then as they went into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him so they sought him to worship him and when they found him they worshiped him so one thing is to seek him another thing is to know him to be with him and worship him and I think this little section and there have been maybe many sermons taught on the fact that they opened treasures.
1: Verse 1 worshiped him. No, the falling down part falling down, the, the getting on our face,
0: the getting on our faces as they would in that culture at that time is a sign of submission. You are surrendering
1: you, get, you, you recognize the value.
0: And these were, as we see, great men, obviously, with great resources and wise on top of that.
1: And what do they do? They worship for Jesus. They worship Him.
0: When I'm studying
1: something from him. So a lot of times we want to worship because we look at him like a butler that we can worshiping him, it says they opened their treasures, offered him gold and But they don't come, notice they're not coming to resources. We give
0: them and to the community around us. They offered him these these gifts, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about the gold and the
1: a toddler there in, in Bethlehem uh, they were coming
0: because uh, uh, they were not coming because uh, they wanted something they were coming
1: be, uh, to do something right they came to worship what king of the Jews
0: by the way that's big because the king of the Jews is the king of the, on the throne of David, and God promised David that that would be an eternal throne. So it's not just
1: it's And they know that. Um, they came worshiping with costly. they
0: brought. Genuine worship is motivated by the worth of the object worshipped. Genuine worship is you recognize the thing you're worshipping.
1: My dad one time, he, family, My
0: dad told me, sacrifices, because everything I've done is based on my love for you. You never worship the Lord. You never consider the cost is too much. You never sit down and go, oh my God, that's going to cost me. Gosh, I shouldn't have tithed that much. I shouldn't have tithed the tithe. I should have tied the, uh, uh, an eighth. You know, uh, we have
1: I called her my spiritual grandmother, Simmons. Hey, to the Lord, what belongs to Him, let's say 10%. He'll do more with. The And I was like, "What? Yes, God's mathematics so if you so not tithing or giving, first of all, I'm concerned for
0: worshipness worthiness in the Lord, and that concerns me if you can call yourself a believer, but the second reason is you should. And we come to realize that God will do more with the nine. Whatever you have left, then with the hundred had you kept it all. He'll bless the ninety more. Not only that, I think it's important for us to learn that everything we have, all good things, all gifts, come from above. We don't have anything that wasn't given to us. No one owes us anything. In this life... You have come across and encountered many people in, in this walk of life. Whether it be your neighbors, your friends, your teachers, your pastors, whomever. All of them have given to you. We don't, nobody owes us anything. But we owe everyone
1: at least gratitude. The Lord. 86, 9-10 through 10 says this, All the
0: nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. So here's how I'll end this part that they came worshiping, that is, the Magi. And I'll say this, it's valuable. The Magi didn't come empty-handed. And neither should we. We should not come empty-handed when we come to worship the king. So, what do they have in those treasures? They had gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let me say this real quickly. Gold is always indicated... in peace, King Charles, whomever in these old cultures that have kings still, their crown is made of gold. Their their stuff
1: is not made of gold. You. Gold is always symbolic and valuable wise men
0: acknowledge Jesus as king with royalty. He's the king of king and the Lord of lords. And they bring that and offer him gold. And then they bring And frankincense is a spice. And it was used by the priests.
1: And it was like incense. Every air, and
0: it's used by the priest, and these wise men are acknowledging that he's the great priest, the mediator between God and man. That's why the frankincense is so valuable in the gift that they brought in their worship. we can go to him directly you don't need to go to some man or some woman or a friend or you can if you want but bottom line is he's the one we go to and then myrrh also a spice more like an ointment if you would it was used in burials now why would they bring this anointing oil called myrrh that was also very expensive see the going to be a martyred prophet the wise men were projecting or were saying ahead of time that jesus would offer a priceless sacrifice for this for the sins of the world on calvary's cross so it's a sacrifice that's once and forever for the redemption of humanity and so the myrrh represents that they knew he was the lamb of god you say, well, how do you know that? Because they brought it. Because they knew the scriptures from back in the days, 500 years earlier when Daniel, and there was a whole nation there called the Jews that returned to Jerusalem and rebuilt the temple.
1: So What this offering, this, these three things represent, threefold office, Listen carefully. The ministering
0: priest and a prophet who had sacrificed his life. They're acknowledging these things. man, if you only could loosen up a little bit, it's okay. I shouted like crazy at the World Cup game the other day. It was amazing. And it's just a game. These These wise men were.
1: I like the fact that, um, protagonists, right? The good guys in the movie,
0: the antagonists, the bad guys in the movie. Herod, the king, heard this. He was troubled. Why would he be troubled if there was a Messiah? or Because he heard king of the Jews, right?
1: Then he knows that it's the Messiah because he asked uh, the scribes, hey, where is I supposed to be born? What an honor to have
0: been the king when the king of king comes. Say, I
1: hand over Instead, he feels threatened. You know why? Because he was the
0: most corrupt of men. Jesus was a threat to him. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to snuff him out. It says there that he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so is written by the prophet Micah in chapter 5, 2. Oh, you Bethlehem. By the way, Bethlehem means house of bread. In the house of bread. Jesus is the bread of life. In the house of bread, he would be born. In the land of Judah. And by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler, king, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, once he got that information, he secretly and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me so that I I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until they came to rest over the place where the child was. Just a couple of things then. Let's see what time it is. It's interesting in these passages that I read from verse 3 to 9, it's interesting to note that this event of Jesus'
1: birth What does that mean? There would be those all want to interfere. Yes. You just, just say, Lord, I want to
0: fulfill your purposes. Here I am, like Isaiah said. Send me, and you will discover all kinds Obstacles and roadblocks, and people who try to detract you or try to interfere with you. Then that's when you should truly rejoice because you truly are a son and a daughter of the king and doing his bidding. If no one's bothering you, if no one's saying anything to you, you don't present a threat. You don't matter in the kingdom. This enemy's leaving you alone. Gosh, it's so quiet in here. You say, hallelujah, pastor. You can see the stuff I go through. It's true. The enemy seeks to do it by surprise. He's going to... Try and, hey, when you guys find the king, here's Herod. When you find him, let me know because I want to go worship him too. Liar! He wants to murder him. And we'll see that in the last part of this chapter. I'm not going to get into it today. No one really believes that Herod wanted to worship the newborn king. He wanted to surprise the king destroy him and Satan will do anything possible to interfere and to from fulfilling God's purposes. First Peter says, and we just read this a couple weeks ago, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But guess what, you guys? God's love for us will surprise his our enemies, and He'll protect us. Can okay, let me say that again? Oh, man, I wonder what's going to happen to me. I wonder if I go do God's will, then this may, someone may object, or someone might throw a roadblock, or someone may try to interfere with me, or someone might call me bad names. What am I going to do? How am I going to fulfill? You don't do it. You belong to Him. And that good work which He has begun in you, according to Philippians 1.6, He's able to complete it. Nothing's going to stop you from doing God's will if you choose to. Nothing can thwart the plans of God for your life or for the life of this church. Because God's going to surprise our enemy. You know how I've told you in the past, it's like playing chess with the person that already knows all your moves from the moment you sat down at the chess table. He has you in checkmate if you're his enemy. He's just playing with you. He's laughing at you if you're opposed to him. Psalm chapter 2, go read it. God's going to surprise them. Because look what verse 12 says. Being warned in a dream. Joseph. Not. Oh I'm sorry. The, the wise men. And Joseph too. When he decides to send. For the slaughter of the babes of, of, of Bethlehem. That's, that's in, the re- in the rest of the story. Both of them were warned. That is the wise men and Joseph. They were warned in a dream. Not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. See, what God will do is he'll warn you. It's different. Sometimes God's protection comes when we're not even aware of it. We're not going to be thwarted by these weak, this weak-minded king, this king who felt threatened and wanted to destroy Jesus God's protection for uh, Jesus was done with us in mind because the cross was where he would die and then remember and I'm not going to go into it today but uh, if you go reading the rest of chapter 2 Joseph and Mary they send the troops into Bethlehem to slaughter the babies to leave for Egypt because out of Egypt I will call my son. Was prophesied. And here's the question. You know A little bit about the Jewish customs. When Mary and Joseph go to the temple to worship. They offer a, a turtle dove. It's not a turtle dove. It's a little bird. Why wouldn't they offer a lamb? Well there was concession in the Bible. That if you couldn't afford a lamb. Because you were poor. You could offer a dove. Right? So these are not rich people. Joseph and Mary are not rich. They're humble people. How do they survive? Because if anyone here has gone on a trip lately, anywhere, it's expensive to travel, much less live somewhere else. How do they survive? Because they had been given gold, frankincense, and myrrh that's very valuable, and they bought also, by not only worshiping them, God also used those resources so they could survive in Egypt. He's always got our back. Man. Him. How about you? Especially if you know why the nativity matters. God bless you guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For all that you have done for us in your son Jesus Christ who you sent on a mission that proves your love for us as John 3.16 says for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life thank you for Jesus and
1: thank you for sending him and we ask all this in his name